1: you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Hey,
3: what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, Matt Tate is going to join us at half past three. We've got our first Grade Eight RCST Trivia Matchup four o'clock. Justin Nichols versus Nick
0: Schwert. And if, you know what? Real quick, I don't want to throw a a uh... Uh, Wrench you know, Wrench and all this um, It's it's like 100 degrees out Could we talk about maybe something like Favorite cold desserts or something along those lines We some are going today? to
3: do top 10 types of ice cream So not really? like flavors I know it
0: just worked out Wow I know What are the odds that I say What are the odds say? That you thought about Actually, that Actually to be clear this is a bit right now But <laughs> to be clear, because I have screwed up before and said something that was clearly on the uh, sheet that I yes. didn't read. So to be clear, we're joking around right now,
3: but that'll be uh, top ten ice cream. Yeah, uh, yummy. We also have Kevin Flaherty joining the show from twenty four seven Sports. So fun show today. But I want to uh, dive off today. We've done some of our different player deep dives. I want to get into the next guy, which is another freshman. We did Ernest Duda last, I think. Zubi Edgefer. I believe that's how you pronounce it.
0: I'm going to start off by saying I'm really low on him. What success does Bill Self have with Biggs from Nigeria?
3: Yeah, right. He So he's he's from Dallas where he went to high school, but originally grew up in, uh, I think, Lagos, I believe, uh, in Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah, to your point. Like,
0: do big men from Africa, have they done right. well
3: at all here? Hmm. It's almost like there's one from Cameroon who was an MVP candidate this year. There was a guy from none. Another one from, from yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you had uh, where was I think Doke was Delta Nigeria. Am I? Am I yeah, just, yeah. Well, I, I know in Nigeria. His, but. Yeah. Anyway, um, but anyway, yes. To your point, like yeah. I, I, obviously you were joking around there. K was had a lot of success with guys, um, you know, from Nigeria or from other countries in Africa. And again, I don't know. If you
0: classify this guy or not, because he playing high school ball, although I think he it, from I watched an interview with him, and you may have watched the same mm-hmm. interview I did. I think he was pretty young.
3: Yes, when he, when he came over, when he came
0: over, yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, um, so he is ranked
3: 41st by 24/7 Sports. He's ranked 45th on the 24/7 composite. Now. uh, this is going to be one thing we're going to be talking about here, because I think this is one of the biggest things with Zuby Edifier is the distinction between being a four man and a five man. What that means, what that means for KU moving forward, what that means for Bill Self, what that means for him. Um, so if you look at twenty four seven, it has him listed as a six foot eight, two hundred fifteen pound power forward. If you look at Rivals, it has him listed as a six foot eight, two hundred twenty pound center.
0: He looks thicker than either of those. I'll buy 6'8", but I think he looks thicker than 220.
3: I think once you get him into the KU weight room, he's going to be one of those physical darlings. Like, he's going to be one of those Even athletic guys, right? He looks, like, right. He,
0: he looks like a linebacker now.
3: Yes. Um, he Now, the 24-7 sports projection has him as a future second-round pick. This evaluation was done by Brandon Jenkins. Here's what he said on his game. Edgefer is an athletic, physical force to be reckoned with. He is strong, productive on the glass, talented, and increasingly versatile offensively from 20 feet and in. His versatility is in his offensive approach. He likes to post up or face up and attack to score through contact. Edgefer has a college-ready body in which he relies on physicality to compensate against others who are taller and longer. He still has ways to go in terms of adding functional strength and struggles guarding in space. He additionally needs polish as he lacks feel for the game, but is a blank canvas when looking at his offensive skill set. Once he learns how to be effective in the screen and roll game, his production should increase tremendously. So um, first things first, by reading that scouting report, he is a guy that very much sounds like in the past, like in in old Bill South days, or even in in current, like Roy Williams days, um, would be playing the four because he's not as, as tall as the center, but he he can at least stretch it a little bit. Yeah. You know, not cons- Like, he went 11 of 45 on threes between his junior and senior seasons in high school. Um, he's noted in past interviews, like, wanting to be able to offensively play the three through the five and show more versatility, like, uh, defending other players on the other side of the ball. So he can stretch it a little bit, but more so he is kind of a post player and, like, a power athlete.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um- i and i i would agree the the film on him is is pretty limited um but i, I don't disagree with with any of that I, I i've never seen the kid play live i think a lot of these um the the folks you'll read on 2 24 7 rival sites like that i i think a lot of them have have seen seen these players play live the highlight videos um one thing i love now i, I would have liked if you're listening whoever's i mean it doesn't matter he's already signed with ku but if you want to Get a, a better profile of what he is. Whoever puts his uh, his profile videos out there, I personally would love to see him run in in more set offenses because a lot of his um a lot of his highlight videos, at least that I saw, are are a lot of um, transition transition yeah. game. And I'll say this, he looks good. I you know again, you got to di- you know he's not playing with with Big Twelve caliber athletes but he's running with guards at his level. Um, I don't think that that'll immediately mean he'll be able to, he's not going to come in as a freshman and run with guards at the big 12 level, but he can at his current level. And, and so that speaks to um, his athleticism. Um, but yeah, it, look, man, if he can get that and, and we're going to dig a little deeper in this, but I know that the direction we're going to go is, is the position direction. If that comes true, and he winds up um, being able to shoot threes pretty well, um, then that's going to solve a lot of questions that Bill Self might have.
3: It is. And, again, like we don't know what the plans are for Bill Self moving forward. Are you going to play two bigs or not? But, like, this is a guy who was an absolute double-double machine. I mean, he'd he'd rack up 20, not just double-doubles with, like, you know, skate by 10 and 10. This dude is putting up, like, 20 and 20s all the time, getting four or five blocks a game. Um, he's not as much of a – like, you heard that scouting report saying that he can struggle in in space defensively. Like, you watch him. He's not one of those – like, there's different types of athleticism. Sometimes we just say, he's a great athlete, and we just throw, like, a blanket on it. Yeah. Like, um, you know, there just are different levels of athleticism. And there's well, – Speed, athleticism. There's quickness. There's lateral quickness. Yeah, right? There's uh, a lot of things that go into that.
0: Wide receivers and lineback different sport, but wide receivers and linebackers are both athletic. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want them playing each other's position. Exactly.
3: They're very different, right? Um. So that's the thing with zoo Like he, he doesn't jump off the page as being a guy who's like this insanely laterally quick guy. That again, like that goes into the reason of you know, what's going to be his position because if you're not insanely laterally, laterally quick, it's going to be tougher to play you as a as a potential perimeter player, as a yep. three- or four-man where you're having to guard on the perimeter and stuff. But I will say athletically from a, like, power standpoint, like, okay, the name I'm going to bring up here, I'm not saying this is the career of Zuby Ejiofor because to put those expectations on anyone is insane. Thomas like, Robinson was a national player of the year candidate, All-American player. Uh, you know, one of the best Bill Self players that we've seen, right? So I don't want to put those expectations on a kid. But just in terms of, like, kind of body type and uh, the functionality of what your athleticism is, Mm -hmm. T-Rob was not a, you know, super great lateral athlete. And that's part of the reason why I don't think he had a super long NBA career because it started to transition into, okay, you have to switch a little with your big man. Yeah. And he was more of a, you know, defensively in what he is now he's more of a five but he wasn't like the great shot blocker right
0: he's yeah they would have it, it, had t-rob played in today's world no, in, t- in today's world t-rob probably would have been a center but he's kind of a, a perfect example like if bill self he likes to switch you're not switching no. thomas robinson no you're probably not switching zuby edge for off his man
3: right so it's kind of like that but the thing that T-Rob was so good at was just this power athlete, a guy who would go up over you. He would throw down hard dunks on top of you. He would outwork you, he'd outstrength you in the post. He'd go through your body mm-hmm. in the post. Those are all things that remind me of him with Zuby Edgefer cuz when I'm watching the the film and the highlights and all this stuff and you see the body like T-Rob wasn't he was what, 6'9, 245, something like maybe more, maybe 250, 260 Yeah, yeah. he was he was loaded, right? Um but that's kind of what I look at with Zuby Edifier. He he's kind of that same body build. Obviously, you know he's coming out of high school. So what he comes out as high school is not going to be where Thomas Robinson left Kansas. Yeah. But that same power athlete and the way that he has maybe some versatility offensively and likes to dunk the ball. Again, we're getting getting get into the uh, the position questions here because that's the biggest thing for me and makes it tough to evaluate this. But just in terms of what he does well, what he is. It's hard for me to not see him and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's the perfect Bill Self big man."
0: Well, and and you know on this topic and and I think this is another good example, another reason to somewhat compare him to Thomas Robinson. Um, you know who really would want this kid to not only stick at KU but stick for a long time is Ramsey Nijem. Mm-hmm. Like I think he probably looks at a guy like Zuby Edgefer and goes, "My god, what I could do with that kid." In the <laughs> yes. Room. Like
3: you're already a good athlete. You're, now. Already, you're already strong now. Yeah, he's so. Wait he till really, you get in here.
0: His shoulders, man. Like he's a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, his uh, his offense, his his um defense, the his coach seems to run a, a type of defense where um, Zuby spends quite a bit of time um, trying to trap dudes up top. Um, he's not going to be able to do like he's. The athleticism he's going to face at this level, he's not going to be able to defend the way he defends in high school. Um, I just, I, that was just a note. And a lot of those highlights, I saw him trap near half court with another guard, trying to trap a, a def- an opposing guard. Um, I don't see that as a possibility. And, and that's not something self does. Hmm. He likes his guards to meet other guards at the half court. Yeah. He likes like full court. court ball pressure. Yeah, yeah. 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 But he's not necessarily a, a, a trap, you know, coffin corner kind of guy. Um, but I do question, let me ask you this. What about the possibility? I don't I don't envision this happening. This is just a fun little brainstorm, let's see what an idiot I look like by January. If you're in a position where you really want these guys on the floor because you like their game and you don't know what to do, what if Clements is the four and Zuby is the, is the center? And you, well, I mean, you basically you have a five who's shorter or the same height as your four?
3: You can kind of invert it too, where basically offensively Clements is yeah, the yeah, four. Yeah. And then
0: defensively they He's switch the a five, guy. He's
3: the five, depending on whoever has you know, is more fleet of foot, I guess, and whoever's the better rim protector that you want down yeah, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, okay, let's get into this conversation because this is part of it. Um, Again, going back to 24-7, it lists him as a power forward. Rivals lists him as a center. And in nowadays, if you are a six foot eight, 220 pounder power athlete who isn't known for being like a knockdown shooter, isn't known for being able to, you know, be super laterally quick, you just are a center in yeah. nowadays' game. And so that becomes the question Is Bill Self going to go back to two big basketball? If he is, and we've had these conversations with other players, then I view Zuby Edgefer as being a guy who, um, I think could get a lot of minutes, and I think that the the path is there for him. I don't know if it'll be right off the bat because you still look at this next year. Like, if Jalen Wilson comes back, you're playing him at the four more likely, and he's going to get 30 to 35 minutes a game. And so you, I don't know how many minutes you're going to have and at you that already, position.
0: You already ran down a week or two ago. Uh, no, Maybe, yeah, last week when uh, we were talking about um, uh, Ernest Uday, the— the, the big freshman man. centers. Freshman yeah. centers under self don't get a lot of no, play.
3: No, they don't. Uh, I think uh, what I said is like four, only four of them passed 15 minutes a game. And, and so the
0: only got to touch 20 is Joel Embiid.
3: Exactly. It's it's tough. Um, But I do, I think, long term, if the long term solution is, hey, we are going to go back to playing too big basketball just with a flair to it, like one of the guys has to be a knockdown three-point shooter, which could be the case for Zach Clements, uh, could be the case for Cam Martin this year, that I, I see it opening up a lot more for him because otherwise, if he is just a traditional five or a now traditional is not the word a nowadays five, mm-hmm. then he's gonna have to beat out a lot of bodies because they have a lot of centers.
0: Yeah, centers. They, there's there's dudes in front of him, um, but he really plays in such a uh, again I did I haven't seen a lot of set offenses with him in it. Um, a lot of you know I, I said that earlier. A lot of his highlight videos um, feature kind of him in transition, him in the open court. Um, I don't know if, if he's the kind of guy like what he looks like with his back to the basket versus playing I mean by up. the
3: scouting reports it sounds like this guy like does have a back to the basket game. He has a face up game. This sounds like the guy that would thrive in Bill Self's plays where he gets the pin down or the seal off yeah. and he's able to finish or he can finish through a body. Like all those questions we've had about guys who can be post scorers down low. I, I have less of those questions about him.
0: I'll say this with his body build and, and his running ability, um, he's and this is a huge difference and this is why these rating systems are what they are, he's two, three inches away from being a big, big, big five star. Yeah, okay, for instance, he's, Ernest he's, Uday. He's so strong, man, and he can run, but that that six eight, six nine is, is killing him. It, well, killing him's not he's still coming to K U. Right. So he's good. But I just mean sir, it, it's that's the clear separation between what he could offer. As a, as a top 50 guy and what he could offer as a top 10.
3: So Ernest Doudé is ranked like 20 spots higher than him. I think there is a world, because we're both high on Ernest Uday. um Yeah. I think there is a world, who knows? Ernest Duday, I think uh, the reason is, like, if you look at these sites, they have higher potential for Ernest Duday. And a lot of that has to do with the length. He's, he's not just taller, but he has the super long Big wingspan, arms. right? Yeah, long arms. Would it be that surprising to you? Because I know it would not for me. If at least in year one, at least in terms of who is more college ready right off the bat if Zuby Edgefer was ahead of the curve there over Ernest Uday
0: I um, I think if there's a, a, clear, advantaged, a clear advantage clear um, advantage that Uday if you' Ude I think the clear advantage there is shot blocker and as important as cell as defense is to self does it change um, your mind
3: that edgeifer averaged four blocks per game.
0: I just don't know where that translates with. I mean, his arm. No idea the competition. Right? Yeah, I know. Um, that helps, though. Yeah. Uh, I just those. I it's it's so much like you just. It's so clear what long arms do for a player. Um, but I, I could see maybe offensively. Um, I don't know. I, I really, Zuby Edgeford just looks like a guy who down the road looks like a guy to who can who can catch the ball at the elbow and dribble it by his man.
3: Yeah, and he can not, do the little and, spin move yeah, in the lane and finish, and not right? just
0: have to play a back-to-the-basket game. That's why this and is I, one I of think, those... But the thing, I think Uday, I haven't seen him... Now, maybe I'm wrong, and Ernest Uday can really get out in the open court. I don't know. But Uday looks... Or, I mean, uh, Edgeford looks much more like the kind of guy that I would see catch at the elbow, dribble past your man. And Uday, I think, just based on... The way they look and the way they're built, I think he is – game is much more just permanently back to the basket playing in the block. Well, again, if
3: they play two bigs, maybe they play together. I mean, and and it does sound like, okay, well, we've seen KU and Bill Self go away from that now for the last handful of years. Like, is he really going to go back to, okay, but Duke played it this year, and they made the Final Four. North Carolina played it. One of the guys could hit threes, which helps, but you might have that in Zach Clements. They made the Final Four. Gonzaga was the number one overall seed. They played two bigs next to each other. So, like, it's not extinct for these top top. Kentucky played it with two bigs, right? If you're a top team and able to get the talent you make it work with two bigs I don't think it would be that far-fetched that at some point in the next couple years they go back to whether it's you know not for the full 40 minutes but you're playing 20 minutes a game yeah. with two bigs
0: um yeah that's a good does, point. It and and it could you know it could really mess things up from another team for another team's offense um you know and it, it, the, the thing is, is you, the reason um you have one of those bigs has to be a really at least a threatening shooter, um, is because that's if you're in that position, there's a chance that you're going to wind up with a mismatch when you're playing defense, that the other team can exploit, and so if you know if you can put yourself if you can have a super potent, um, as great as it is and as fun as it is, and, and, and Bill Self prides himself on defense, um, if you can if you can put out a lineup that is so uh, matchup difficult that, you know, you can sacrifice a little bit on the on the defensive end because you're such a pest offensively because they just don't have an answer for you. They answer one question, you're sitting there with another, um, on and on and on, and, and there's just no way they can defend your entire, you know, group. Um, yeah, then, yeah, you play that way. It's just a matter of one of those guys has to, offer you at least something because you can't have the other two bigs just say fine we'll just hang out in the box all day yeah so one of those bigs has to offer you something outside offensively
3: realistic floor talk uh for me in year one it's that if Jalen comes back or if you're just not playing two bigs then that basically means you're only playing minutes at the five there and then you're having to work through minutes with Zach Clemens KJ Adams Cam Martin Ernest Uday I guess that means the realistic floor like of what could be the lowest outcome there is that you don't play a ton right away. Maybe you're even a redshirt candidate. You hope that you're not a transfer candidate because you're behind all those guys because, like I said, I do really like the long-term of this kid. He feels like what could turn into whether it's an eventual all-Big 12 player or a really productive role player down the road for you, even in year two, year three, whatever it is. Um, But I think that's the floor. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I'd say the floor, uh, not in terms of style, but in terms of minutes, I think Zach Clements.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: You're going to see him come in a few times, but not a lot.
3: Yeah, I think Clements played, you know, five minutes a game, 25 games, something like that. And that was a kid who was, you know, top 30 ish yeah, recruit. And, and in a country. lot of times
0: it's going to be either maybe there's a matchup reason, but for the most part, he comes in because you're winning by 25 yeah. and they're. Three minutes left.
3: And so that's the floor. But again, I think we're both high on him long term. That's just for this year because it's tough to sort out through all the things. But realistic ceiling um, is that one of two things happens. KU plays, either Jalen Wilson's gone or Jalen Wilson comes back and is playing more three, and KU does play a sizable amount of minutes with two bigs next to each other and that opens things up for him to play more this year because then you have two big spots for all those bigs that I just named as opposed to just one spot of 40 minutes for those, like, five guys. And that would certainly open things up as as, as far as, you know, right away. And that, like I said, I, I think realistic ceiling, you know, what if he – is just more college ready, at least in year one, than Ernest Duday. And what if KJ is playing more of the four and he is able to beat out Cam Martin? Then I think the realistic ceiling, like maybe you could play back up five minutes. But as far as long term goes for him, um, I think again, like a lot of that is very much tied to how much too big basketball, basketball are they going to play down the road? Because if he is as the power forward next to a, a Zach Clements or something down the road in two, three years, like I could see that being an awesome front court.
0: I agree. And if he can put a three, if he can put a three game together, like if he, if he can really get going and become a legitimate threat right. from the three, like, and talks think, about, don't
3: think like shooting a ton. Think like the, the Marquise Morris, yeah, role yeah, yeah. where he's efficient at it, but he might only take one or two a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're putting, he's the guy that Perry you, Ellis, if right? he catches it on the perimeter, you're putting your arms up. Cause you think there's a chance he shoots it, but he's not, that's not his game. But if he becomes threatening from the three, Um, he could pester another team's four man or five man, whoever, like he could be such a, if he, if he adds a three, a legit three point threat to his repertoire, um, um, then he could really bother another team's big man, whoever's yeah. guarding him. I think he's, long-term, he's he
3: could be an absolute double-double machine for you, an all-Big 12 player. But, again, you could also convince me that it's just going to be too tough to beat out all those guys. It's 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 tough to tell and tough to sort out until we see a lot of these kids. But certainly in, in kind of getting prepped for Zuby edgeifer I'm, I'm excited in who the player is. It's just what are the circumstances going to be. We don't really know. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, joins us next. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives. Of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they re- look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Talk. That's Talk, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Talk all one word, for 15% off with home field apparel on a your time first board. On a Tuesday, joined by Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. You can check out, they have a, a national championship magazine that's uh, up there. We'll get to that at the end of the interview here. But uh, Jalen Wilson uh, earned an invite to the G League Combine, not the NBA Combine. Now, you can work your way up from the G-League one. I I think it's usually like a handful of guys or so end up working their way from that into the regular NBA combine. Um, But if if Jalen doesn't earn a spot in that official NBA combine, not the G-League one, does that, in your mind, pretty much wrap up him coming back?
4: Uh, I think so. I mean, you you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a guarantee that he wouldn't be able to go out and get some good feedback. And still work out individually for some teams and impress some people. But generally, man, I mean, the, the idea here is it, it might be over to begin with. I mean, yeah, you can go perform well at the G league combine and, 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 you know, make a name for yourself and stand out. and Maybe you catch some people by surprise, or maybe they say, wow, we probably should have invited him to the, to the regular camp. I'm, I am pretty surprised that he didn't get, get invited to the, to the uh, actual combine itself. But for the most part, I think history has shown. If you go back and look at at mo- a lot of these invitations and try to base anything off of them, I mean, m- most guys that aren't invited to the combine don't fare very well if they stay in the draft. And obviously, that's that's pretty common sense type of stuff. But um, but but that's why I think it, it may be already kind of there. You know, this 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 one thing may have been the indicator for him that. All right, I still have work to do, and you know it. It, it comes down to his choice still, and it, and it comes down to does he want to put in that work? Um, does he want to do it at Kansas? All of those things, because you can obviously make a jump and, and try to go to the G League and put in the work there, you know, and, and do that. So, um, still everything in his hands. Um, he's got the decisions to make. He's got the feedback that he'll soon have. But but for me, if it's a if it's a decision about should I jump and turn pro or stay in school? I I think the decision's probably already been made for him really. Um, unless he just absolutely goes and kills it, which I wouldn't put anything past the guy. He's competitive and he's talented, but I just don't think he's quite ready. So I think that, you know, obviously many other people feel the same way by, by uh, virtue of the idea that he wasn't invited to the, to the actual combine. So, um, I'm sure he's a little disappointed if, uh, if we've learned anything about Jalen over the, the few years he's been around Lawrence, it's it, it, that these things tend to fuel him. And, and he, he likes to play with that chip on his shoulder and, and face a little adversity. So uh, I don't know that it's necessarily even the worst thing for him. And maybe they'll get his best because of this now but uh, the idea i'm sure going in was going to be to give his best anyway you know so manufactured or real um that chip might just be a little bit extra uh, in in the uh, in the equation there but i don't know that it'll make or break you know his immediate future but 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 yeah i'm sure he's disappointed and and i'm sure uh i'm sure he's a little bit curious as to as to why he didn't get invited because he did have a great year and and he was obviously a, a really important part of a of a pretty darn good team
3: we were doing our uh player deep dives earlier in the show and and the next guy we got on to today was zuby edgier for the uh kind of power forward 6-8 freshman coming in for ku in this class so 6-8 power forward um kind of known for his physicality, going hard after the ball. Not necessarily known for being like a more of a wing type of four or like a springy, super quick guy, uh, which I guess means he's either more of a five in today's game or you're essentially playing two bigs next to each other if he is playing at the four. But, you know, as they look at, at this KU roster Outside of a possible Jalen Wilson return, I I don't know that there's really a clear-cut four-man. Maybe K.J. Adams profiles into that. We saw him more at the five this year. I think long-term, maybe he'd be more of the four. So maybe he's that guy. But... It doesn't feel like they have those obvious answers at the four position, Um, and that kind of makes me think that maybe they could play two bigs next to each other a a good chunk of time this year. And and if so, I think he can find a role, but it's also tough when you have Clemens and Adams and and Martin back. So I guess uh, what do you kind of view as the trajectory and and year one expectations for Zuby Ejiofor?
4: Man, it's so hard to know, um, because of of a couple of things you just mentioned. I mean, the the entire roster makeup, we don't exactly know what it's going to be yet. So it's hard to know what opportunities will be there. Um, in addition to that, we, you know, we haven't seen him play. I mean, I've seen some obviously highlights in some film and, and and some of his high school tapes and things like that. But, um, that's hard to, that's hard to translate sometimes. And it, it doesn't really give you a full, indication of exactly how he'll how he'll make the adjustment um so you know for me um i I, he seems to me just like ernest does i I mean i think grady and mj rice are are guys that can come in and be immediate impact type of guys um and i think that a, a guy like Ernest Uday or Zubi can probably be viewed a little bit more. I don't want to call them projects by any means because their talent is there. They're, they're, they're very modern type players, right? They're long, they're athletic. They, they, uh, they can kind of play a little bit of a versatile style. Um, and, and, uh, you know, give KU some options as to how or where they can use them a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not like one's going to be a shooting guard or a center. It's not that dramatic. But but I do think their body of work and just their skill sets um, give them that option. But but at, having said that, I think that, you know, it's a matter of how do they fit and is there room for them right away. And, and that's no different than it was this year with Zach Clements and K.J. Adams. So I sort of see them both maybe being the next – version of that, you know, where is it possible that either one of them could play in any given game? Spot minutes type of thing? Sure, definitely. Um is it likely that either one of them is going to be a, you know, twenty five minute a game rotation guy regularly? I, I I don't think so. Um but again, you know, that that's that's as of today and we don't really know how the rest of the roster will completely look just yet. So, um, so I, you know, long way to get to the answer there. I don't have I don't have huge high hopes for him in year one. When you're talking about Zubi specifically, but I think he's a terrific talent. And when you watch him play, it's a guy you want on your team. I, I don't know. Have you done a comp? Have you heard? I need to get into that and, and see if I can't figure out a player comp for him. Have you guys? Did you guys go down that road at all, or, or do you have one?
3: Uh, I do not personally. Um, I know that on twenty four seven they usually have you know uh, comps or, or something sure. for a player, um, which I can try to pull up here. But I, I think the crux of it to me is is the interest in. Like more long term, because I I agree with you. I don't know how much we see of him in year one, especially if Jalen Wilson's back, because then you have, you know, majority of the minutes with Jalen and Clemens and KJ Adams or Cam Martin or whoever. And uh, we did a deep dive last week in in the fact that um, something you referenced before, like how often do freshmen, big man, really get a ton of minutes under KU? Only one freshman center under Bill Self, has even logged 20 or more minutes in a, a season, and that was Joel freaking Embiid, who was yeah, top yeah. three in MVP <laughs> voting, like unbelievable talent, right? So it, it's it's not that they can't do it. It's just that the expectations or the bar is so hard to do. Um, but by the way... Well, the- think, think about
4: Joel, too. I mean, he, he, even the first 10 or 15 games of that season, he didn't even start, right? Right, I mean, right. That, So So that should tell you everything right there. I mean, it, number one... It takes that type of a talent to get to that that mark where you're playing those types of minutes, but the fact that that type of talent was on campus and still didn't even start the season in the starting five is even more of a, of, of a, uh, I guess a just a, a breakdown of exactly how difficult that is and what what is most likely with with any of these guys moving forward. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good. It's not a comp, obviously. There's no way, but but that's a. That's a fair fair uh, assessment. For some reason, when I'm looking at Zuby and I've seen him limited, I'll admit that for sure. Um I, I kind of view like a Jamari trailer, um, Marcus Garrett hybrid type of player. And I don't even know if that's possible. Mm. If I just hurt your brain, struggle, yeah. But <laughs> But but that that's kind of what what I see a little bit of, and and you know more from the versatility and, and just the ability to to kind of be active and play all over and things like that. So, um, but but yeah, not not a not a guard, obviously like Garrett, but just Garrett was so good in, in so many different ways. So anyway, what did you look up? You had something?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, so on twenty four seven sports, they compare him to Julius Marble, who is a you know kind of powering 6'9", 245 big man for Michigan State. Um, junior this year played 15 minutes off the bench, six and a half rebounds, three or six and a half points, three rebounds off the bench. Just kind of like a power rebound guy. And I think that's what's interesting to me here is the idea that, you know, for for the long term for Zuby Edufer, whether it's not this year or if it's years to come, again, he is more of a, a traditional power forward like how we would think Bill Self would want to play with a power forward 15 years ago or how a Roy Williams team would want to play where your power forward essentially is a true big man who's crashing the glass and and getting offensive stick backs and and doing things in the post as well and and going back to what I was saying earlier where you know Jalen Wilson is really the only if he comes back the the real guy that you view playing the four like I don't know. Maybe MJ Rice or Grady Dick can play the four, but they're more of like six-five kind of shooting guard types, right? And um yeah. as you look at the other guys on this team who could play the four, as I said, maybe KJ Adams could profile into that, but you need to see more from the shooting aspect, or maybe you can just pair him with Zach Clements to balance that out. Um, I don't think you would play like Cam Martin at the four, because I don't know if the foot speed's there, but you hypothetically could play Cam Martin or Zach Clements there if you wanted, because you could say, well, we have the offense shooting there. I, I just think that when you look at the long-term of this roster, I, I wonder if we're going to start to see Bill Self going back to some more. Not not predominantly, not for the entire time on the court, but at least for certain chunks of the game, too big basketball.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe. I I, I I don't blame you for wondering, and I see what you're saying, and it's always going to come down to personnel these days, I think, with him. So so that makes some sense. But, um, boy, I'll tell you what, there's there's uh, there's a lot of... of I guess there's a lot of proof in recent years, the way he's openly and so easily adjusted to small ball and, and playing with the three point shot as such a weapon and such a priority, you know, that it's hard to me, or it's hard for me to see um, him deciding to go back to that. You know, I, I think if, if it becomes a, a thing where that's what the personnel dictates, then so be it. But um, I don't know that it would ever be an objective, um, in, unless it's just you know, unless you can go get two five star absolute studs that, that are project that way and play that way, and then it's uh, easy money at that point. But even then, man, I mean the game is the game is different. The game has changed. The game is. Is is three pointers and space and pace and things like that, and and that just doesn't fit those types of players. Which is why you know again coming back to Zuby, I mean the the athleticism that he has, the the, the bounce, the springiness, things like that. Like you're right, he he does project as more of a true four. But in a modern sort of way, right? I mean, I, 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 don't, I haven't thought too much about it, but I don't think the trailer, um, the Jamari trailer comp's all that bad. Um, I, I, they're probably not exactly the same. Zuby's longer, I'm sure, right? So it, it's, it's not exactly the same type of player, but, but when you think about what Jamari's role was, you know, crashing the glass. Um, being active, impacting the game with athleticism, things like that. I, I think there's there's definitely some of that in Zuby's game for sure. So,
3: well, um, I think is interesting. There is that Jamari was a four, but if you could fast forward to today, if you put Jamari Trailer on the you know 2020 team or the 2022 team, is he playing the five? You know, right, right,
4: right, hundred percent right. And I think he absolutely would have been. Yeah, there's no doubt. Right. I mean. Um, it, look, if KJ Adams did, then he would have, right? So, um, so, so, yeah, and and you know, with the whole four thing too, it, it's uh, it, it's interesting having that that conversation right now, especially because it it really does show you that okay, when you take the the combine situation with Jalen Wilson, when you take the general feedback and general consensus about is he ready? Is he an NBA guy today? I think most people think no, not yet. Um, and, and and so when you take those two things and then you combine them with the fact that Bill Self can go to him at any point in the next three weeks and say, hey, you know that you're our guy, right? You know that if you come back, you are the only guy on this whole roster outside of maybe DeWan who has his spot locked in. You are our four and you will play 30 plus minutes a game. You you don't get that very much anymore, and and self is is reluctant to tell very many guys that these days, and 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 even it's even harder to, to to back that up if you do say it. But with a guy like Jalen, it's a very easy thing to say. It's not it's not promising, you know anything that's that's unreasonable or difficult to do. It's a very obvious thing, and and so maybe that's part of it. Again, if if his best move is to go pro, self will be the first one lining up telling him go pro, but. If, if he needs help understanding the benefit of what coming back would mean, there's your answer right there. You're our four, you're our you're our cornerstone piece. Um, there's a lot to like about that. and I would think Jalen would get behind that. I would think he would be a guy that would be all about that and feel good about it and and like like knowing that, hey, at least you know i didn't I didn't get to make the jump this year, but at least I'm going to a, back to a place that loves me and a place that I'm comfortable at and a place that I know what I'm gonna be and how I'm gonna play and 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 if that's where you start, then I think your ability to to improve your game and and, and maybe showcase more of what the, the pro scouts and stuff are seeing for that next year, I, I think that's much easier to do when you're comfortable. And, and I think to some degree that's exactly what happened with Ochai. I mean, he came back and, and he was comfortable in his role. He was comfortable at Kansas. He knew what he was and what they needed him to be. And then he said, okay, now I'm going to also be this – and obviously he turned into an all-american so you know there's there's a lot to like about about jalen's position really i mean he's either going to go kill it and get the feedback he wants or he's going to come back and 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 be a, a huge part of something and in a very clearly defined and easy to play position and role for him so um I think obviously it's the best thing for Kansas if he comes back, um, but but I also do think it's the best thing for him. I, I think I think he needs to improve his shot, and, uh, and and if he does that, gets more consistent with that outside shot, then I think his ceilings, you know, definitely an NBA type of draft pick.
3: We're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World here. We are uh, on to the grade eight of our RCST trivia matchup. Your guy, Ryan, no longer in it. Nick Schwartz. Yeah, in I blew that. Yeah.
4: Picking him in that, in that <laughs> answer you get. What a disaster. that I, I, One of the most embarrassing picks I've ever made in my life.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you miss on the NCAA tournament. It happens, but, you know, that's tough. Um, Should have known better. <laughs> are you game to answer some trivia questions?
4: Oh, always, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not terrible. I'm not great, but I'm always down to try.
3: Okay, all right. Um, I think we've got the uh, correct ding and wrong buzzer ready for you, based on what <laughs> happens here. All right, who led Kansas in blocks per game this past season?
4: Blocks per game, uh, boy, that's tough. Uh, I mean, the answer you have to guess, even if you're wrong, is
3: Lightfoot, right? Is that your guess? That is my guess. That's correct. Mitch yeah. Lightfoot, yeah. Correct answer there. There we go. Okay, uh, KJ Adams attempted one three pointer this season. What non-conference opponent did it come against? Ooh, um, darn it!
4: I feel like I remember the shot, and then you're probably going to tell me it was the one game I didn't I didn't go to because I was at a <laughs> wedding. Um Let's try – it was at home, I'm going to say, so let's try George Mason.
3: Mm. Stony Brook is the correct answer.
4: Okay, well, half credit then. It was at home. I'm good. I'll take the half credit. <laughs> Whether you give it to me or not. Yeah, you you just just that's, it. That's, yeah, That's a
0: good point because they really play all those the, – they they're really known for known, playing those no-name non-con <laughs> games on the road too. On the so, road, right. Yeah, yeah, a lot
4: of them are. You're right. See, there you go. Half credit. I appreciate it. All <laughs> right, last one.
0: Let's get you back on the winning way.
3: Who led Kansas in two-point makes per game this past season? Christian Brown. Correct answer is Ochai Agbaji. Oh, would, would have thought that. would you? Would have you? I wouldn't have. That was terrible grammar.
4: I'm okay with missing that one because I would have never. I honestly would have never guessed him.
3: Yeah. that's wild. You would think Christian. You would think Jalen. You think David McCormick. Not Ochai Agbaji. He thought all of this from three, but. But I guess, there.
4: you know what? That just goes to show the dude let him in scoring. So there's yeah, there. right. that. Yeah, right. Makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, it makes sense. If it, it's like hiding under the bed. It's almost too obvious, right? Right, um, right. There you go. In the shower. <laughs> so I, I know you guys have worked on uh, a national championship magazine. I mentioned this, KUSports.com. So what went into this, and, and how can people get one?
4: Yeah, man, thanks for asking. Um, Something we're really proud of Uh I'll be honest with you, I think our cover sets us apart from everything that's out there that I've seen. I think the, the cover, if you haven't seen it, I've tweeted it a few times, but you can go to shop.lawrence.com. That's shop, dot plawrencecom That's our online store. You can see the cover right there. You can order it right there. You can have it shipped directly to your house. You can have it shipped to your friends. You can send your grandmother one, whatever you want to do. But um, that's where you can, at the very least, see the cover if you haven't seen it yet. And, you know, it's the hook shot over Manic um, that McCormick hit late, late, late in that game. And it it just, to me, it's the moment, right? It's it's not quite Mario's miracle or anything like that, but it's this year's version of that. And and it's. It's a beautiful photo by Nick Krug, and and it it shows the the magnitude of that moment. It shows how big that that arena was. Uh, It it just is a really really cool shot. And then the rest of the covers just kind of stay out of the way of that picture. Um, But the title is "It's it's the Road to Number One." Um, We were trying to incorporate that with you know the idea that they moved into the uh, into the number one spot overall in in wins ahead of kentucky this year too so it was more than just winning a title it was it was also you know number one in all of college basketball history so a little bit of of a dual meaning there but yeah you know it's it's the best thing it has man it's got a lot of content it's got a lot of yearbook type memories from from the season um and some of the game stories that i wrote along the way and things like that a lot of the features that's probably the the coolest thing personally that i like i mean a lot of time goes into writing those features and and now they're all collected in one spot and so each one of them will will take you back to a point of this season that makes you go oh yeah that was cool that was that year i remember that you know if you look at it two years from now or 10 years from now or whatever it is so i I like personally especially since i wrote them all i like that they're all they're all right there and, and in in one spot you know, collected together like that. But without question, um, the, the, the best part of the whole thing is just the, the number of just great, great photos that we have. And, and, you know, Nick Krug, I've thought for decades now is, is one of the best, if not the best doing it. And, and so to get 90 some pages of, of photos that are, that are Nick Krug photos is, is just a beautiful thing. And it really came together. Well, it looks nice. It's uh it's just one of those two that you could pick up and, and flip to any page and be entertained. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about where you're flipping to or what. So very cool. It turned out great. It was a lot of work, but i um, worth it, man. So shop.lawrence.com you can check it out and uh, you can send me your feedback too. If anybody listening picks one up, let me know what you think. I hope you like it.
3: He is Matt Tate. Check that out. Check out his work. KuSports.com. LJ World. Before we let you go, though, one last thing with Adam.
0: All right. Before we get to one last thing, I want to add a- another reason why it's fun to two last uh, things. Yes, two last things. Uh, but a-, a reason why it's fun to own some memorabilia like that. I have a a similar magazine that I got after the 08 title, and I'll- and this is a-, a great example. And I, I don't know. Ex- I'm excited to see what's uh, what's in this one. But they there was a game a game story from in in oh, the oh seven oh eight season in that one um, where Mario hit a big big shot late against USC, and there was a quote in that gamer uh, from I think Darnell Jackson saying, "Well, you know, we feel like Mario is our go to guy for a big shot." And so, magazines like that are so so fun because you can go back and revisit things from like, oh wow, we were talking about that in December, and I'm shocked at how like. Like you just see these little details that come up from a, a an article in like November December that turned out to have huge implications for what happened down the, down the stretch.
4: Yeah, that's pretty wild. I'm sure there's some of that in here. We, we you know, we weren't able to include every story from the whole season. Yeah, so yeah, it's,
0: to... yeah. You can't. There's there's so much, and but it, it any sure. any little moment is is fun to re- relive.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I I think we ended up picking five regular season games that were you know meaningful. Um, and then, and then all nine uh, postseason games too are in there, of course. So, you know, it, it gives you a good representation. And then there again, photos and some more, some more features and graphics that kind of take you back to the to the memory of the the whole season and the ride and the journey and all that. So, yeah, good stuff. Good point. I, I think that that definitely probably plays out here a little bit
0: too. Well, let's move on to one last thing, Matt. One last thing: is there a story behind how you got the name you were given?
4: Oh, that's awesome. Good question. There is.
0: uh, And I love
4: I love these, man. Anybody who has a name or a story behind their name, regardless of how exciting or or meaningful or or grand the story is, I just think it's cool when people have a a story. So my story is there was a uh, when my dad was younger, I guess where he lived in Kansas city, there were, there was, he lived sort of on this, like hill. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a real mountainous hill or anything, but just kind of a gradual hill in the neighborhood. And and at the bottom of this hill, when it would rain there, there would be kind of a puddle or, or a bigger puddle that water would collect in. And, and, uh, there were these two little kids and I think maybe he was in high school or something. Um, and there were these two little kids that would go down and play in the rain and play in the puddle and collect worms or whatever you do in the puddles, you know? And, and, uh, so that stuck with him. He always loved kids, even, even when he was younger, and, and that stuck with them. and their names were Michael and
5: Christopher.
4: So when I was born, he threw that out at my mom, and she said, you know, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really love Michael. You know, uh, he, he'd, he'd be, you know, nothing against it. She just wasn't feeling it. So she said, how about Matthew? And he said, sure, that works. All right. So All right. Matthew Christopher, very biblical name, but based on kids playing in the mud. Very so, good. Take that
3: for what it's worth. My dad wanted to name me Tiger.
0: Mom yeah, really? mixed that one. Yeah, mine's very wow. simple. I uh, I was the first male born into my family. My my parents had two two girls before me, and
3: one of your sister's names Eve. No, oh. um, but yeah,
0: I uh, <laughs> no I I so two two girls, and I was the first first male, so they called me Adam, and then they had another girl after me. Well, Matt, I appreciate you sharing your
3: story, and uh, thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thank you, man.
4: Always fun. Appreciate the time. And, and maybe if you're still going next week, throw me a couple more uh, trivia questions because I was right. That's not good. That's not, not going to send me into the week with a lot of confidence. So let's try to fix that next week. If yeah. we can. We'll
3: get you some easier ones. Those were, those were all in like the medium, <laughs> hard, or really hard round. Like the KJ well, was a really okay. hard round.
4: Okay, I'll take that
3: then. No. I don't feel bad. No, not at all. <laughs> you would have beat, beat Ryan. Don't worry. All right. yeah, there
4: you <laughs> go. Easy mark, for sure. All right, boys. Thanks very much. Have a good week.
3: All right, that was Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. RCST Trivia, grade eight. Next, Nick versus Justin. Will the villain be eliminated? Find out next. We're in the grade eight for RCST Trivia. That means we have four matchups this week. It just worked out this way. We're going to have one each and every day. We didn't planet like that just to get one every day and just kind of build up the hype it just worked out that way um but the first one today features the three seed justin nichols and the five seed nick schwert the winner will be our first member of the phenomenal four in 2022 and as part of making the phenomenal four you get a phenomenal four trophy as well as an engraved rcst water bottle those things are slick we sent out a picture of on our Twitter page, at RCST1320. Both of those from Jayhawk Trophy, where you can get all your trophies, plaques, or any special award done with Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. And they're not just trophy makers. They're also experts in custom engraving on personal items and custom fabricated awards at Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. You're getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. Already racked up a couple of those. Chance to win another one, because every round you advance, you get another $25 $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery from the Bill Self mac and cheese to Crimson Fog or wave the wheat to wash it down. You get an RCST hat with a Phenomenal 4 logo. Last year, we gave out some RCST hats if you made the grade 8. This year, you got to make the Phenomenal 4, and they're they're similar to last year's, but they're slightly different color. I think last year, we had like a navy. This year, we're going to have some like black and, and gray option or not gray. That makes it sound dull and, and boring. Silver makes it sound cooler, right? Um, but they also have like a Phenomenal 4 patch on the side. You know, it's like the hat that you get for making the the phenomenal four, right? And then you also get an automatic one seed in RCST trivia next year. If you've made it this far, you've already gotten automatic entrance, but you get a one seed if you make the phenomenal four for uh, next year. And that goes in line with the prize you've already gotten, which uh, two or, or three other $25 gift cards, 23rd Street Brewery, Thirty dollars of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at Rockjock.io. Homefield apparel gear that thanks to Pella Doors and Windows. Voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mister D's Auto Wash. Voucher for a free sandwich and a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's. Twenty dollars CBD of Lawrence gift card. Ten dollars Hawaiian Bros gift cards. Those thanks you to Kurt Geiser, State Farm. Ask Kurt of any of the needs that he can do for you, and uh, also an RCST trivia T-shirt. With that, all that being said, let's get into our first and lone Grade Eight matchup of the day. Between Nick Schwert and Justin Nichols. Well, not only do we have this 3-5 matchup with Nick Schwert and Justin Nichols here with a spot in the Phenomenal Four on the line, we have a guest analyst joining us today, Isaac Henderson, the 2020 champion, 2021 runner-up. He was in this very region, um, and he didn't get to meet Nick in the Sizzling 16. So, Isaac, I, I know you listened to the the event and everything as you've been listening to both these these uh, opponents, what's kind of your scouting report on this matchup here?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I think from uh, anyone could tell you that gets this deep in the competition, everyone that advances obviously earns their way. It's difficult to uh, win three matchups, let alone win six to win it all. So uh, anyone that advances to this tournament is obviously a uh, well-qualified and uh, uh, deserving champion.
3: Now, Justin, um, you have kind of the weight of the world on your shoulder here. We've mentioned many times throughout this tournament that Nick is the villain of this tournament, and, uh, you know, people are starting to wonder if this event is rigged. They were already wondering that when Nick advanced once, and now it's only tenfold from that point on. Have have you felt pressure from the outside in that, you know, it is your job now, it is your duty to eliminate this man?
2: Uh, You know, you, you try to put that sort of stuff out of your mind but uh you know you hear the you hear the rumblings and i'm gonna do my best to to represent the people today
3: well nick you you are the villain um i know you had a lot of words for isaac do you dare say any of them face to face
1: yeah what year was it that isaac won 2020 2020 it yeah, that was a long time ago, a long time ago. It's a new year, it's a new era on our CST trivia. I am That here.
2: TV still hangs, Nick.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what's going to happen? You know what I, th- I think I'm going to do? I'm going to win the TV, I'm going to win the event this year, and then I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to live stream it on Twitter just for everybody to see <laughs> how little this event means to me.
3: So you're just going to destroy the TV. Is that a promise?
1: Yeah, that's right.
3: Okay. That's right. All right. Well, uh, Isaac, obviously you've been here before. You've been in the grade eight. You've been further than this. Um, I guess, uh, what kind of pressure is it? Like, is it different in this round than other rounds getting ready for these questions?
2: Yeah, no, I think, uh, obviously, elite eight, it's, it's kind of that fine line between, you know, disappointment and success um, to get to that final, the fantastic Four. there. Uh, I think, obviously, the later you get the questions, everything's just more pressure on them. Uh, you feel... More pressure every single question, especially in those hard rounds. Um, so definitely a little more pressure, but it definitely kind of separates you know the real contenders there uh, this
0: round. All right, let's go ahead and get into the matchup. Before we get started, I just have to ask, does the, uh, the, t- the, 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 the contestant who loses in the regional final, do their regional champion shirts get shipped off to a third world <laughs> country? We're working on that. We're okay. working on that right, so we cool. can count
3: that as donations.
0: All right, let's cue the
3: music here into our grade eight matchup. Between Justin, the three seed, Nick, the five seed, and uh, only difference, we're going to double down on medium hard. And, and, you know, if you get to really hard, then that doesn't really matter how many we do there. Uh, Nick, you are the lower seeds. You have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I'll go first. Okay. Nick will go first. Justin will go second. First for you, Nick, what color am I thinking of right
1: now? You know, these, ant- these antics are getting pretty old, and they're unbecoming of the host um, oh, of. Out of time, uh, such sorry. Esteemed
3: mm. event. Yeah, the correct answer was orange. Orange was the correct answer. So uh, sorry for you. All right, real first question for you, Nick. What 10 seed led by Stephen Curry did Kansas beat in the 2008 Elite Eight? Davidson. Yep, Davidson, the correct answer. Okay, you barely beat him. Okay, on to you, Justin. What two-seed coached by Mike Krzyzewski did Kansas beat in the 2018 Elite Eight? Duke. Mm. Yep. That one was a fun one. Both of those coming down to the wire. One was a little more entertaining just from the style of basketball, though. Okay, back to you, Nick. Into the medium round. What year does KU claim its second Helms National Championship?
1: Uh, I think... It's 1923.
3: Yep, 1923. The first one was 1922. Back-to-back champs, baby. Everybody remembers those back-to-back champs. All right, Justin, for you. What year did KU win their second NCAA national championship?
0: 1988.
3: Yep, 1952, followed by 1988.
0: Each uh, each weight is getting less and less. They had, Fans had to wait 36 years between 52 and 88. 20 years, 88 to 08, and only 14 years mm. this time. It's not bad.
3: So we're going down to eight years next yeah, time? Yeah, I think so. It still seems like a while. Okay, back to you, Nick. Kansas made the Final Four in 1993 with this sharp-shooting guard, averaging a team-best 15.3 points per game.
1: Uh, that would be Terry Brown.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Suck it, mm. loser. Rex Walters, Justin Nichols knew that. Let's see if Justin knows this one has the chance to pull the elimination. The 1995-1996 to 1996 Kansas Jayhawks had five players score in double figures and were led by this 6'11 sophomore forward at 13.4
2: points per game. Grateful friends. Ding
3: dong, the witch is dead. Justin takes down Nick. Ends his run in the grade eight. Justin, congratulations. All of RCST Trivia Nation is rejoicing. Um, Isaac, I, I got to no know here from, from you first. I know you run a study group and with some other guys who are in this event. Has that been talk amongst some of the others about, you know, when is Nick finally going to lose here?
2: I think every time he comes on the show, we always kind of, you know, we're talking back and forth about it. So. I'm sure in a couple hours, that group chat will be lighting back up. Twitter will be on fire. Message boards, uh, threads will be started there. So uh, certainly a rejoiceful day here in Kansas.
3: Well, Justin, you, you nailed the answer there. And you yeah, you said Rex. I, I heard you saying it kind of quietly after he incorrectly had the answer there. So you would have got his right as well. How good does this feel that you're heading on to the Phenomenal Four?
2: Uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm excited for, for the opportunity to continue to, to go and You got to beat the best to be the best, right? So I'd like to think that's hopefully what I did today.
3: Well, let's not compliment him. Uh, Nick, (laughs) you you lose in the grade eight. um, So uh, let me guess the response here. You just didn't care.
1: Well, you know, I will say that, you know, I don't try to put words into my mouth. That's, I mean, I'll speak on behalf of me. Just ask me a question. I'll give you an answer. Um, So that's first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's not that I didn't care as much as it is like, it's it's like having like a mole removed from your back. Like there's this burden of not having to sit here and, and talk with you and waste uh, what is a beautiful afternoon um, talking to you about dumb trivia questions. By the way, you know, I didn't, if I would have studied for, you know, even 30 seconds, maybe I would have gotten that or thought about it, but mm-hmm. that's just kind of been my strategy the whole time is say the first thing that comes to mind, don't deliberate, don't think twice. Just blurt out the first answer that comes to your minds, and, and that's what I did. It got me this far, and farther than Isaac, so I guess there's something to be said for that. I wasn't in a study group. You know, just start a study group and then get knocked out in, what, the second round? Yeah, hell of a study group you got there.
3: <laughs> Isaac, would you like to respond?
2: Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, it's, like I said, you know, that there's, that TV hangs forever. Uh, I mean, Nick, Isaac's
3: Nick, made it further than Nick <laughs> ever <laughs> <laughs> has, right?
2: Yeah, Nick can talk when he makes a fantastic four, let alone two, or wins a championship as soon as he uh, wins a relevant matchup here. You know, his first thing, I hop on, I could see the ice, he got nervous there, It's clearly distracted him from the right answers.
3: <laughs> well, there we go. And poetic justice, uh, for those of you that don't know, Rafe LaFrance was always the white whale that uh, we could never get on the show that was Nick's favorite player growing up, and that is what did him in. Justin oh, gets no. it right. Oh, no,
0: Rafe LaFrance was Nick's favorite player? Yeah. And it did him in.
1: You know he's, uh, he's a volunteer coach for Decora High School. I do you didn't have that one on your question list, did you, Bucko? That was actually the next. No, question but I'm for really,
0: you. I'm really concerned now because you and I have something in common now, Nick. And so that uh, I don't, that's that's a little scary.
3: Well, he broke some hearts, but in the end, it's Justin breaking Nick's heart. Justin, congratulations. We'll see you next week in the Phenomenal Four. Some more prizes coming your way, Nick. Good riddance. Thank you. Wow, it happened. I did not think he was going to go home in the medium round. I thought he would have nailed the Rex Walters one. I thought, yeah, that
0: was, um, you know. Now look, I, I, <coughs> all right. I'll cough out. Terry Walters was an or uh, 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 Terry, Terry Brown. Terry Brown was an okay guess. See, I, I so badly didn't even want to say it that I no. Everybody the name. knows Rex Walters yeah. was
3: on the Final Four team. Everyone know that he led them to the Final Four. Except Nick, <laughs> I think he's even had Rex Walters. I mean, we've had Rex Walters on the show. I think he's had Rex Walters on. I don't know. It's crazy to me, crazy. But um, hey, man. Okay, wait. Now I'm starting to worry. Now I'm starting to worry.
0: Did Nick purposely take a fall? Um, I don't know. I mean, he he did talk about you know removing the mole. Um. But I don't know, he he got a, I don't know about you, he got a mole removed, but all of a sudden the pain in my ass has gone away. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same for you or not.
3: Well, congrats to Justin, man. Uh, he did what a couple others could not do, got close to doing, but did not. Justin is the first member of our Phenomenal Four once again. All the new prizes he's receiving, Phenomenal Four trophy, engraved water bottle with RCST on it a $25 gift card, another one, 23rd Street Brewery, RCSD hat with a Phenomenal 4 logo, and a one seed in next year's edition of RCST Trivia. RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kurt Gieser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. Check out their outdoor patio. This is a perfect week for it. The weather's really heating up. You can try the Bill Self mac and cheese, the handy turkey stack, or any of the great menu items. Don't forget about their 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. Uh, it was cool having Isaac on as well, guest host. He's our guest analyst. Um, we're gonna have him on again on Friday. I think Kyle Martin is gonna join us for the uh, phenomenal four games or phenomenal four matches. So uh, cool to kind of get another perspective uh, juiced in there. But
0: our uh, our engineer Gary was munching on some Bill Self mac and cheese the other day. I saw. Mm. So
3: always a good choice. Oh yeah, but yeah, um, you know
0: we don't have to worry about people
3: saying is this rigged anymore. And that is the most positive outcome. Yeah, that's exciting. Of today. Yeah. Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in about 20 minutes. Coming up next, though, top 10 types of ice cream. Not not ice cream flavors, types of ice cream. That on the other side. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Bank approval. Negative equity may
1: be refinanced. Offer absolutely ends on May 31st, 2022. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Let the joyous news be spread. The wicked
2: old witch at last is dead. <laughs> the king the witch is
5: dead. The witch, the witch, the witch.
3: Yeah, some celebration music there with RCST Trivia. Nick Schwartz officially out of the uh, tournament. So, cool stuff there. Um, Fun times. Yep. All right. uh, We are going to have Kevin Flaherty join the show in about 15 minutes from right now. But first, let's get to our top 10 ice cream types. So, as a reminder, these are not ice cream flavors. They're not going to be ranking cookies and cream and mint chip and whatever is your favorite ice cream flavor. These are types of ice cream. Um, so let me give you an example. I'm gonna go through some honorable mentions that didn't make the list. Sherbert, first of all, is it ice cream? Is it not? I don't really know. It's good, but didn't make the top ten list. More of a more of a niche find, you know? Like on a given time, maybe I'll have some. Um, the original ice cream sandwich, kind of boring, mm. still solid. You'll eat it, right? I enjoy those. Ice cream bars just in general, like whether it's a drumstick, whether it's a creamsicle, um, etc. Anything like that. Um, I've never had mo I think mochi mochi, I don't know how it's pronounced. People seem to like oh, that. Yeah,
0: mo- yeah, we had mochi at a uh at a Japanese steakhouse. It was ice cream mochi. It was it's pretty weird, but it's very good. <laughs>
3: uh and then I, I just wanted to make mention of this. It would be impossible to do a ten worst ice creams, ice cream types because every type of ice cream is good, right? But I didn't
0: care for ice cream as a kid.
3: Okay, well, probably well, and was is the worst thing you've ever told me. I know. Me. I was
0: probably, I have another friend who's weirded out that, um, let's see, what else? And I, I never cared for, I was in my 20s before I liked ice cream. Um, I was 25 or 26 before I enjoyed pancakes. I don't know what it was. Well, kind of uh, an oddball. I
3: have never been more appalled by a statement than that, but, uh, nonetheless, if I was making a, a list of worst ice creams, I would have a clear number one. Outside of that, I couldn't fill the rest of the list. It would be fudgesicles. That is the I've given up of ice cream. It is just the most (laughs) lame, uh, not lame, but it's the most basic type of ice cream on a stick. It's
0: icy. That's a hard Again, like I'll
3: eat it because all ice cream is good, but like that is the biggest give up.
0: Fudgesicles are a hardcore divorced dad's apartment snack. (laughs) It's like, what do you got in
3: here? Fudgesicles. Ah, I'll pass. Okay. Into the list. Number ten. Number ten. Rolled ice cream. Have you ever had rolled ice yeah, cream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of unique. They don't have it everywhere, um, but it's good. It's good stuff. Um, so I, I'm very big on toppings. Yes. And rolled ice cream so generally put a has a in whole in there, bunch of right? toppings. You get yeah. to put some, they, they mash it up in front of you. They put the toppings and they roll it up. And the cool thing about rolled ice cream, it's a show. You know it, it, they're doing it, and then it looks pretty. It looks cool when you're eating it. It's got good
0: texture you as well. You probably get frostbite on your hands if you put your hands on yes. the plate. That they use. very,
3: very careful there with the uh, nitrous or I don't know what's on there um, that makes it so cold. But nonetheless, it, it's exciting. The only thing is, it's a little more expensive because you're paying for the show. And at the end of the day, it's you know it's it's still just ice cream. So is it that different? Probably not. But number ten gets uh, gets a mention there. Number nine. Scoops on a cone or scoop—I don't know—however many scoops you want. You want one scoop, two scoops, whatever. Uh, there's the different types of cones. I would like to say the the yeah. waffle cones are better than the the sugar cones by far. Yeah, oh, yeah, it,
0: by quite a bit. I uh, also shout out to a very special place that I'll, I'll just won't say their name because they don't give us money, but uh, a nice little place in town that puts a, a nice little... Just give little, me free ice cream. I'll, nice, I'll do whatever you want. A nice little milk dud at the bottom of their... Uh, or not uh-huh. milk dud, a, a, a malt ball, a chocolate malt ball there at the bottom of their waffle cones. Most people in Lawrence know where I'm talking Yeah,
3: about. yeah. Um,
0: I've always thought
3: that they could, you know, because they sell, like, uh, waffle cones and sugar cones at the store. Um, this is an idea passed along to me by my dad that they should make those with... Because, you know, at certain places, too, they like if you get a drumstick, the bottom whatever inch is just chocolate inside the, yeah. Oh, yeah. the color. Aware. They should do those with the ones they sell. I think they would get, um, you know, have you ever, imagine if you had like a Kit Kat one inside or have, Butterfinger, whatever.
0: Have you ever had a, uh, a a sugar cone? Somebody, they'll use a sugar cone and bake a brownie inside of it. They won't put. No. They, it's not bad. They won't put. It Sounds doesn't delicious. like They don't put ice cream in it at all. They just bake a brownie and inside the sugar cone. Huh. It's a fun little dessert.
3: Cool, uh, but yeah ice cream on the cone, good. It's ice cream it's on a cone, you get the cone, you get the crunch the only problem is sometimes it can be a bit messy um, it's yeah, I feel like you don't get as much ice cream as in the cup but you know, still good overall Waffle it's classic. How to do
0: it, though. Mm-hmm. Number eight
3: Number eight, soft serve Soft Serve, a staple of, you know, a franchise location that also is not a sponsor of the show, so I'm not going to mention them. Um, it's a staple of a lot of other places. What's the di- I
0: feel like, is, there a di- is the difference that they're kept at different temperatures or something?
3: I don't know. By the way, I, I have this as a slashy with Soft Serve slash frozen yogurt. I know they're different. They're
0: very different things. But they're the same idea. I would separate them.
3: I don't want to separate
0: Froyo is a touch healthier, you get the gut bacteria. Good for you. Yeah. But they're they're the same thing.
3: It's coming out of the thing. I understand it comes out
0: of the little dilly. Um,
3: But they do taste different. They have, you know, frozen yogurt. It's cool. You have the different flavors and you feel healthier, even though it's. Well, I I mean, it's not
0: good for you, but it's just got it's got gut bacteria that that helps your your innards a little bit. Um, But because it's yogurt. But uh, I mean, it's you know you're still like you're really you go to a frozen yogurt place you're really trying to break some records on that scale that they charge <laughs> you on
3: dude those things have gotten so expensive nowadays but nonetheless it just it opens you up for a lot of opportunities so i have the slashy there soft serve slash frozen yogurt even though you number disagree number 7 number 7 cookie ice cream sandwich i mentioned the original ice cream sandwich in honorable mention the specific one with the cookie yeah. on the outside here's
0: what's interesting i actually I had a cookie ice cream sandwich uh, either Saturday or Sunday, and I'm kind of I actually prefer the the ones with the the um, the chocolate little bar brownie. Really, you outside. like the original? Yeah, one better. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I was a kid, we had those, and it was it was those the, the regular outside, and then the inside was a, a, a flavor of ice cream called Mississippi Mud, and those things were off the chain. But I, I just I don't know why I like I like the cookie ones. Don't get me wrong, they're very good. But for whatever reason that with the little wafery not wafer that's not the right word but you know they got the little holes in them the um the the little brownie they basically look like thin brownies with holes in them. The standard outsides of an ice cream sandwich.
3: I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but I don't know. I just love the cookie ones. You get you have the cookie on the outside. You can make a homemade one if you ever just bake two cookies, you put some ice cream in the middle. <laughs> That's always good
0: Interesting I, interesting thing you mentioned That you can make them at home A uh, running thing in my family is I'll, I'll sometimes do that And I, I can't I'll just tell you I won't tell you exactly what I call them But I refer to them as Adam's f yeahs Except <laughs> I don't say F <laughs> Well I think the, the Nestle Toll House
3: And then the Mrs. Field, Mrs. I think Fields Mrs. Fields right? Mrs. Fields is the way Those to Those ones go. knock it out With the uh, cookie sandwiches So I, I will uh, go with that one At number I think 7 Number six. Number six, homemade ice cream. Yep. Now, this could be higher, but it could also be lower. The problem with homemade ice cream is the variance. That's really the problem with anything homemade. It is, because with homemade, you can, like, I I think we've all had homemade ice cream before, whether it's ourselves or somebody else, where it was a little icy- you know what I mean? Like it wasn't totally done right, or it didn't. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it just wasn't all the way there. But I think we've all had homemade ice this, cream that we're like, "This is the best thing I've ever eaten."
0: See, it looks it's like a brownie with little holes oh, okay. in it. That's yeah, what yeah. I mean by the outside of an ice cream yeah, sandwich. Just yeah. silly goose. Um, but anyway, back to uh, back to homemade ice cream. Yeah, homemade really anything is one of those things where, in some cases, you're like, "I may as well just have the packaged version because it's better." But, like, the packaged version of most things is usually going to be a solid eight to Mm -hmm. eight and a half. The thing that homemade gives you is the ceiling. You can really get a 10 with homemade. You're not going to get a 10 with anything packaged. The problem with homemade is you can get a five also.
3: Right. Yeah. So that's why I have it at six. It's kind of splitting the difference there. Again, like, some of the best ice cream experiences I've ever had have been homemade. Yeah. But it's just you've had some of those where it's icy and it's like, eh, I'll, I'll pass this next time number five. Into the top five we go. Um, This just kind of depends what you want to refer to it as. I don't really know what to. Uh, Some people know it as a blizzard. Some know it as like a concrete. Some as a blast. Basically, ice cream or soft serve mixed with toppings. Mixed with crap. Yeah, Yeah. and just kind of mixed together. But it's not
0: like the consistency of a milkshake. It's still ice cream. I like those because I'm a big toppings guy. However, I will say um... A lot of those places give you much more ice cream than topping, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. But I'm a big fan, and I don't want to. I don't know what is is on your countdown, mm-hmm. but there is a uh, a certain brand. This isn't a well. They have locations, but they they also sell their 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 ice cream in um, stores. But it's a brand of ice cream um, that is a, a couple of uh, brothers, and it's from uh, uh, Vermont, and they have a. Uh, uh, several, like Cherries Garcia, for example, is one of their flavors. You know the company mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Them. They load up the toppings in their ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I love
3: that. Yes. That is great. Um, I should also mention custard is not on this list in the top 10. That's Because I have it like, again, this it kind of counts in here. I have never had just plain custard. Like, I've never been like, here, you just want some vanilla custard. Oh. No. Nobody does that. Everybody does Give me yeah, custard and put something. toppings in it, which yeah, you, is why I just consider it as part of this category.
0: You give me a vanilla custard with the Reese's peanut butter cups in it. I'm a happy. But that man. counts for this, right? Yeah, yeah. Not yeah.
3: custard on its own, so yeah. that's why it it didn't really get like standing on its own. All right, next up, number four. Sundays. Uh, you can go many different ways with a Sunday. You can go hot fudge Sunday. You can go car- car- caramel, caramel, whatever you say. It, uh, Sunday. You can go. Is a banana split a Sunday? Hell yeah! I mean, it's close enough, right? Oh, it's um, not even close enough. It is. Yeah. Okay. It's just not called a, well, people Sunday. Called with Sunday, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, Sundays are great, um, and again, like this is something where you can have kind of, you know, toppings if you want. You could have like a brownie Sunday if you wanted. Here's
0: the play: you got to make sure if you're having a Sunday, with either you, you, you use a base of either like a chocolate cake, a chocolate chip sun, or a, a chocolate chip cookie, or a brownie. But make sure whatever the base is is hot. Yes. Because it gets all beautiful and creamy. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I agree. Make sure that make sure whatever you're mixing it with, the brownie, the, the chocolate chip cookie, whatever, make sure it's warm enough to just get enough enough melt on that ice cream.
3: Yep. Uh so sundays, they're great. The only thing with sundays, sometimes they can be too rich. Sometimes there's too much chocolate in there where it's like Yeah, you can't have a Like I could one. eat a whole pint of ice cream. It's I- hard to eat like
0: I can't say I could do that.
3: Well, I could. But uh, nonetheless, number three. Number three. Milkshakes. Milkshakes are great. You can drink ice cream on the go. I'm a malt guy. Well, yes, I agree. I, I consider malts malt, and milkshake, malt give you milkshakes a, Yeah, I would agree. One, yeah, right? I put
0: them in this category. But yeah, I would put... I would, Because malts give you just a nice little flavor, and it's such a unique flavor, you don't really get it anywhere else unless you eat Whoppers. I agree. Um,
3: malts are just better, and, and you can get creative with your shakes. I mean... Uh, but here's the beauty of this, because you can get a Oreo shake or a, uh, like, banana chocolate fudge peanut butter shake. Right? You can get as banana creative cream as you pie want. pie shake. Okay, exactly. Like, you can uh. get as creative as you want. But the beauty of milkshakes is that you can have just a classic vanilla or chocolate shake. Yep. And it is still fantastic. Margaret Drovetta, big fan of uh, the chocolate shake. Yep. How could you not be? Yeah, so, sure. uh, yep. in at number three, classic number two. Into the top two. In at number two. This might be a little controversial. Gelato.
0: Um, So there's a, a, a place just next to a bridge in Florence that has the greatest gelato I've ever freaking had in my life. So fun story. Uh, it, is an, it is outrageous. And if you've been to Florence, you probably know the exact place I'm talking about.
3: I was, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 when I went to Italy as a child for my grandparents. I forget if it was 40th or 50th anniversary um, and they took us out to Italy and stuff during the summer and my parents gave me and my sister like a basically an allowance to you know here's this many euros like use it on whatever you want you want to buy something you Go want nuts. to buy food whatever do what you want right I spent the entirety of that allowance I think I, I got
0: 20 separate
3: things of gelato the
0: thing over about, the course of our time the there. thing about really good gelato it's is so good and you can get Traditional ice cream fav- flavors like a chocolate, but also they have fruit, like a, a watermelon yeah. gelato. Holy man.
3: No, Just everything. Everything is so good. And they have, they have gelatos with like a bunch of toppings in it, essentially, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's so fresh. It's so like, it's not like super dense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of light for ice cream, which is a little bit weird, but it, it, it's so good. If you yeah. can find good gelato, big fan of gelato, part. yeah. But the number one, number one, you know, I mentioned homemade ice cream really good homemade ice cream shop because this eliminates and we all know the place in Lawrence um, this eliminates like the the variants but
0: your number 1 is a is an ice cream shop
3: no the, it, it's really good it's homemade ice cream from a homemade ice cream shop because if you're doing homemade ice cream at home yeah Then it has the variance where it can be good or bad. If you do really good ice cream, or if you get homemade ice cream from an ice cream shop, and I know it's it's not technically if you're using the term homemade, you're at a shop, but you know what I mean. Like the difference between uh and
0: uh down in Lawrence versus Ben and Jerry's. I feel like what you're giving me right now is um, basically mom and pop shop. What you well, I think what you're giving me right now is there's home. I, I think you're you're putting. Homemade ice cream. Where was homemade ice cream on your list? There's six. And what you're telling me is good homemade ice cream is number one.
3: Yes, Would correct. Would be a fair way to put it? Yes, correct. And so when you get a place that does homemade ice cream that makes it there, not a place that gets it shipped in like a Cold Stone or something. Mm-hmm. If you get a place that's making homemade ice cream there as a shop, they have eliminated the variants yeah, yeah and yeah, so it's I just agree. the number one and so since we're one. giving
0: a shout out to all the big companies let's just say it silas and maddie's yeah is the name of the place we're talking about
3: yeah. give us free ice we've, cream, we've, please. we've
0: said we've said the names of the big conglomerates <laughs> let's just say
3: silas right. and maddie's he's adam dravetta i'm Derek johnson this is rock chalk sports talk on fm 1017 and 1320 klwn kevin flaherty joins us next Welcome back to Rock Shock Sports Talk. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports joins us now on the show. Just got done ranking our top 10 ice cream types. Uh, Milkshakes was three. Uh, Gelato, two. Homemade ice cream uh, was number one. Kevin. Well,
0: homemade ice cream was one and six.
3: Yeah. Well, homemade ice cream from your home was six. Homemade ice cream from an ice cream shop that eliminates the variance of it being good or bad is number one. Um, So, Kevin, what would be your favorite type of ice cream? And uh, I guess, I don't know, what KU basketball player all time, you could pick any KU basketball player ever, would uh, correlate the most with that type of ice cream?
5: Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's <laughs> tough. I, do, I, was tell, I was telling Derek over the break, you know, I feel like homemade ice cream is almost at its best a lot of times because it feels like every family maybe has like one family member who makes it mm-hmm. and does it really well. And no matter how many other people in the family try to make it, they can't make it like that person. And so it comes off being, you know, number six rated or, or, or 10 rated or, or whatever, you know? And so it's like two different food groups, but you know, I, I love, um, I love gelato. I, I think the smoothness of it, it you know, makes it really, really good. And so to uh to answer the question I guess Paul Pierce, you know, would be <laughs> would be the, the gelato of KU basketball when you think about how smooth he was because it it never seemed like he had to uh had to put that much effort into anything and uh I'm not sure, you know, anecdotally remembering back to his time in Lawrence, I'm not sure Paul Pierce ever missed a shot. I remember them all going in and so uh, I think that uh, I think that Paul Pierce may be the gelato of Kansas basketball.
0: Yeah, that's, while we're on the topic, what kind of ice cream would Bill Self be? Because I'm feeling like a, a pretty standard, like high quality pistachio.
5: Ooh, oh, that like, like, that,
0: that would be like not super. That, is an acquired be, taste. Like, like very, very some high, people very high quality, not necessarily the sweetest, but really gets it done. Yeah, you know it's funny
5: because I think a lot of people feel like vanilla is boring, but when you have like the real like homemade vanilla mm-hmm. stuff, that's that's actually got you know flavor to it and everything. Like you were saying, like really high end homemade vanilla. I I think that that would maybe be a possibility there. Not not that Bill Self doesn't have. Uh, have color or variables or all those different things i just sticking along those same guidelines where it's like you know he's he's kind of got the old school thing to him and yet you know at at a really high level and the other thing is i think bill self is is highly adjustable i think it's what's made him you know arguably the the best coach in college basketball right now is, is the fact that he he's been able to adjust and shift and there's no ice cream that adjusts as well as vanilla. I mean, you can do anything with it. So
3: yeah, it's the base to all the Sundays. That's, that's a good one there. Um, So uh, as much as I'd love to keep talking ice cream, we did our uh, (laughs) deep dive earlier today with, with Zuby Edgefer, who is KU's lowest ranked freshman recruit, but still a top 50 guy, which speaks to how good this class could be for KU. And uh, you know, as we were reading scouting reports from your guys site or, uh, just kind of watching highlight films ourselves, this seems like a, in terms of just, I, I don't mean like this is the career arc or what he's going to be, but just in terms of functional athleticism, hey, he maybe has some something to gain in terms of lateral quickness and stuff, but he seems like very much like Thomas Robinson in terms of just power athlete, it, it just the way that the athlete is, is kind of built there, uh, which to me seems like a ideal Bill Self big man, but also you have this kind of, What is becoming like I remember tweener back in the day used to be you're a three man or a four man. What are you now? It's like, are you a four man? or Are you a five man? And he seems kind of stuck in that area there. So what do you think that his kind of ceiling could be with KU and how much of that, um, whether it's year one or, or down the road with KU, depends on KU possibly playing too big basketball?
5: Well, I, I think it's it's really fascinating because I was talking to a friend of mine about Zuby actually, you know, when we were when we were putting our rankings together and, and we were ranking the superlatives for this recruiting class. You know, who's the best shot blocker, who's the best rebounder, who's the best scorer, who's the best clutch guy. And we haven't put that article out yet. So I mean don't don't go looking for it yet. But we were we were putting it, it together. And I was looking at the best shot blocker. And one of the things that made this a challenge was you could only use one player in, you know, he, he was only granted one category. So if a guy was the best rebounder and the best shot blocker, you could only pick one and then slot you know, somebody else into the other. And so I got to shot blocker and just sort of the way that, that the list, rang out you know a lot of the guys that people thought of as as elite shot blockers had had maybe kind of been snatched up a little bit and so I asked a friend of mine I said you know okay we're we're at this spot these guys are taken who who would you put on that list and and one of the guys that he had mentioned was was Zuby and I said really that's that's not the impression that that I got at all I, I think most people would say that by reputation at least, Ernest Uday, who's coming in in Kansas' class, is seen as the more rim protector-ish, I guess, of the two. And yet he said, well, look up look up the EYBL stats, and sure enough, you know, Zuby was one of the best and most consistent shot blockers over the course of EYBL play. And so, and the reason I bring that up is not to say, hey, this is this great shot blocker or anything like that. I feel like Zuby's that way across the board, right? Like he maybe doesn't quite get the credit in a lot of different categories where he's always a little bit better than maybe what you thought he was. Like he's not a five-star big man, but when he goes up against five-star big men like he did against Derek Lively and some of the guys like that, he throws up a double-double. You know, you might not see him as the very best rebounder in the class, But he goes up against one of the best rebounders in the class and pulls down 14 or 15 rebounds. You know, it's he's highly productive, and, and in that way, he reminds me a little bit of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Not in terms of stylistically necessarily, but Robinson Earl wound up being you know sort of a lower tier five star guy, maybe a middle tier five star guy. But when he went up against guys who were who were worse than he was you know, he would drop 25 and 10. And when he would go up against big men who were, you know, supposedly elite prospects, lottery picks, etc., he would drop 25 and 10. <laughs> and, and and Zuby is very much that same way. You know, he, he is a powerful guy, but he's a little bit better scorer than you think he is. He's a little bit better rebounder than you think he is. He's a little bit better shot blocker than you think he is. And, and I agree with, with your take on the athleticism. And I I think that's probably why he's shoehorned into sort of what we've seen in terms of being this college five that maybe the NBA doesn't quite value as much because he doesn't quite check the boxes like a lot of people want centers to check boxes nowadays. But I also think that he's somebody that has the ability To be a really high level all conference. And if you're all conference in the Big 12, then you're potentially an All America type guy on down the road for Kansas.
3: Yeah, it's just, it's tough because if he does profile into being more of a center, like what does that mean for KU? Because they have so many guys that are competing for. At that point, if you're only playing one big, or, or one center, I should say, that's 40 minutes to divvy out between Zach Clements and K.J. Adams and Cam Martin, if, if K.J. continues to be a five, and Ernest Uday and Zuby Ejiofor, that it just becomes really tough. I, I I do like the the player profile, what he could be, but it's interesting you brought up Jeremiah Robinson Earl there, and I know you said not necessarily in terms of what he is as a player, but I'll throw something back at you that you've thrown at us, this idea that you know, you've mentioned Bill Self coaching the – whatever it was, the U18, U19 team that had Jeremiah Robinson-Earl and Matthew Hurt on the team as the two big men, and they Hurt. were able to stretch the floor with Matthew Hurt. Uh, could you see that being a, a lineup at all for KU this year? Was Zach Clements next to Zuby edgeifer
5: I, I think it's a possibility. I, I think you would need you would need to make sure that one of them could, could defend fours, uh, at least passively. And I don't know if that's going to be Clements or, or if that's going to be it, or if that's going to be Edgifor, I would assume it would be Clements, but the thing about that duo, I think is offensively, it, it works because you have Clements' ability to stretch the floor and, and so you can still play sort of that four-out, one-in that, that Bill Self really values and, and you could still have a situation where Edgifor could you take advantage of his strength inside and, and all of those things. He does have a little bit of a face-up game and And so maybe he can do a little bit of that, but KJ Adams had a, had a face up game and we didn't really see that utilized as a freshman. And so it's, it's interesting you, you frame the question like that. And the reason why is I think as so many players went into the transfer portal, right? Everybody was trying to look at, okay, will will KU swing on this all conference guy. Will they try and get this guy? And, you know, Some people were talking about, well, if this center is available, so on and so forth, and that was one of the reasons I didn't think if Kansas really made a move in the transfer portal that it was going to be a center just because you have so many guys whose center is at the very least their primary position, if not their only position. Now, a guy like K.J. Adams, depending on his off-season of development and things like that, K.J. Adams can guard fours and guard fours really easily. And so if the offensive game starts to come along for him a little bit, we could see K.J. Adams sort of shift into that group. But Cam Martin, is not he's not a four. He can't defend fours. He doesn't have the athleticism, the length that maybe lets his athleticism play up a little more to defend fours or, or things like that. You look at, at, you know, Ernest Uday, he's not a four. He is a five. He is a straight up five. And and so when you you start going through that group, it's really hard to see a situation where somebody isn't left out at, at some level and possibly, you know, multiple somebody's left out depending on how the rotation works out.
3: Yeah, that's going to be really tough. Um, so a, a lot of the big name transfers, and we talked last week, and, and asked you who would be the best fit of really the big three that the KU seems to be in on that are also you know high level transfers with Kevin McCuller and Tyrese Hunter um, and uh, oh gosh, I, I forget the other one. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know we haven't really seen a lot of these guys any noise be made about you know committing soon or narrowing the list even more um, of late here. Uh, Do you think that has something to do with the idea of, uh, I I guess in the case of like Kevin McCuller, he's going through the NBA draft process. But uh, do you think that has something to do with, you know, teams like KU who are kind of waiting on their own draft decisions so that they can tell some of these guys like, hey, we can or can't take you?
5: You know, I think that's part of it. And I I think, you know, Kansas has some interesting situations that that they're waiting on as well. I think the Jalen Wilson G League combine invite is fascinating to me because I don't think Jalen Wilson's in a position to be drafted. And when you look at what Wilson did last year when, when he tested the waters and went in, he, he tested pretty poorly athletically. Now, he did lose some weight in the offseason. You know, he came in with a very different body. And the hopes, obviously, behind that is that you would test out better athletically but the point is, is is Wilson's not long he's not super athletic and if you're going to play the four at the NBA level without those things you really need to be just super skilled and Wilson has some of that you know he's somebody that obviously a big part of the reason Kansas was really good this year was they had a four who could take the ball off the rim and start the fast break with his handle but Jalen Wilson's not a knockdown shooter at this point, and I think that getting him back would, would be best case scenario for Kansas. But it might be a situation where if Wilson says, "Hey, I'm not going to be drafted, but I did play well at the G League Combine. There is interest at that level. I'll work my way into the league from that position." You know, maybe he does decide to go, and so Kansas doesn't necessarily have the spots, which I think is a big part of it. But I think, too, you know, you, you talked about, obviously, McCuller, Isaiah Mobley, Mosley, excuse me. Yeah, that was the name through, I couldn't remember. Is, is going through the NBA draft process as well. And so Kansas can wait on those guys. And so I think, you know, Kansas has that iron into the fire with Tyrese Hunter and, and you know, is kind of working that a little bit. But as far as the other two guys, you know, there's still a little bit of a, a timeline there before they get to the point where, okay, I'm making a decision on my college future. They kind of need to eliminate the NBA part of it, and I think McCuller's NBA stock is maybe interesting enough that that if he if he gets that guarantee or if he gets somebody saying, hey, we, we like you a lot, and I think McCuller could profile well in the right setting. You know, maybe he doesn't come back to college at all. I would assume Isaiah Mosley is probably coming back to college, but but even if he uh, even if he does, you know, that's probably going to be the tipping off point for him really considering different schools and where he's going to go.
3: He's Kevin Flaherty. You can check out his work, national college basketball writer and college football with CBS Sports and twenty four seven Sports. Before we let you go, one last thing without with Adam.
0: All right, Carl. One last thing. Did you notice I just called you by the wrong name?
3: I did. No, I good. did. Well done. <laughs> is that it? That's the
0: question. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> you let well, you, you off say, the hook easy. See if I catch people. I, I like see if I can spent
3: catch somebody the first sleeping.
5: Five minutes on a one more. <laughs> yeah, on a one more thing, and then ended on a one more
3: thing. So, yeah, exactly.
5: Uh, I, I am grateful for the uh, for the shorter answer on this one.
3: There you go. Well, he is Kevin Flaherty. Uh, again, check out his work, 24-7 Sports, CBS. We appreciate you hopping on as always, man. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All uh, right. Kevin Flaherty, check out all his work. He's out Gervetta. I'm going to catch
0: somebody sleeping with that question <laughs> sometimes.
3: I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Jock Sports Talk on FM 117, 1320 KLWN. Two hours down, one to go. Some more KU basketball talk at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST.